In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive subjects like mental health, addiction, rape, and suicide, which may be distressing to some listeners. If you or anyone you know are struggling with your mental health, help is available to you for support at Lifeline 13 11 14, Beyond Blue at 1300 22 46 36, Kids Helpline at 1800 55 1800, and the Sexual Assault Domestic and Family Violence Counseling Service at 1800 737 732. You're listening to a Sim Media podcast. In a world of iconic riffs, immortal solos, the highest notes, and the most guttural growls, the debate of the greats has raged on for decades. And we settle them here. This is The Great Metal Standoff. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, prog, hardcore, thrash, and heavy metal community, my name is Jason Evans, and this is The Great Metal Standoff podcast that hits music's greatest albums in track by track combat and on this episode we welcome you to the final battle of our grunge month throughout august we have spent hour after hour with the team from mosh pit on sin and other guests in celebrating a time in rock and roll where grunge ruled the world we put together our first ever three-way battle on this show that being dirt versus 10 versus nevermind we celebrated Chris Cornell with White Bonsai talking Super Unknown versus Audio Slave. We put Facelift one on one against Bad Motorfinger. And we asked, how did us Aussies give the sound a crack when Silverchair went one on one with Pearl Jam's Versus? If any of these battles tickle your fancy, do go and give them a listen. They were a real fun conversation to have with so many great people. But now. Here we are, at the end, with what probably is the two last hurrahs of the era, Alice in Chains' 1995 self-titled and Nirvana's final album In Utero from 1993. My fellow Mosh Pit on Sin teammate Imran, our resident grunge fanatic, has been tasked with joining me in picking a winner between the two. But as usual... We are in need of a third person, so we reached out outside of our niche punk and metal world, and we began exploring for grunge fans in our local folk, country, indie, and any other acoustic scene that we could find. In doing so, we may have stumbled upon Moshpit's newest best friend. Today, we will be meeting a folk country singer-songwriter by the name of Cypress Oliphant who, originally from the United States, we learned has a fairly eclectic fandom of many kinds of music, born on country and linguistically curious, but most importantly for today, raised on grunge. For me, going into this battle, I was somewhat sceptical about how this would go. Both of these albums underwhelmed me on first listen, some reasons I will discuss in just a little bit, but it should not be ignored that there are very good songs to sing the praise of off both albums. And you do become more appreciative of them 
by the time of, let's say, lesson number five, for example. So allow me to inform you of how this battle will work, and we'll get right to it. Number one. Every album battle will be contested in track-by-track format by our podcast panel. Number two. Each individual panellist will select a winner of each pairing. The winning track receives a point to that individual's tally score. Tracks on albums that go uncontested can receive a tally point if a panellist awards it a gold star. Good news, we don't need to use that rule today. 12 tracks each. Once the battle is over, the album with the highest tally score will receive one grand point for that album. If a panellist tally score results in a draw, both albums will receive a half grand point each. And finally, the album with the most grand points will be declared the winner. And now, it is time for your main event of Grunge Month. Alice in Chains' self-titled versus Nirvana's In Utero. Place your predictions now. Roll the audio. The final battle of Grunge Month is upon us. Alice in Chains self-title versus the final Nirvana album in utero. Imran, I think we've been, we've you've done the most out of this. How are you feeling that now we're at the end? I'm quite terrified, honestly, of these two albums because you've pitted my favorite Nirvana album against my favorite Alice in Chains album. And have I actually? Yeah. I'm I'm terrified. I I think all of the other uh, grunge things that I've done with you, I have not compared to these two yet. So this one's going to be a very interesting one. Okay. Well, there's only two of us. We need a third one. So we've reached out into the Australian public. In fact, we've not even gone into the metal scene, Imran. We've actually just gone into a completely different style, and we found a new best friend on the show. He's our new best friend on the, of the Mosh Pit on Sin, Great Metal Standoff Universe. Uh, his name is Cypress Olf and he does a lot of folk country music and he's here to talk about grunge because he's born and raised on it from the homeland of the United States. Cypress, welcome. How are you doing? Hello. How are you? In good health? Yes. Excellent. Yes. Um, staying in good nick, trying to stay inside as much as possible and, you know, keep myself busy and productive. Yes, we are recording as as uh, at the time recording, end of August, we're still in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic where we have to stay indoors. We're at stage four lockdown at this present time. So you've been keeping busy, I, I get, I hear. Yes, listening to and making lots of music. Now you're very much a, you know, more of the folk star, more of the country star, very laid back. But yet where you're here on a grunge podcast, where's the hybrid come in? Okay, so essentially I'm from the South and... Um, I was raised with Nirvana, right? So um, when I was six years old, I got a, a Nevermind on DVD or CD, sorry, for uh, my birthday, which happened to be right after Christmas. So my birthday and Christmas present was a CD. And I got so excited. I was like, oh, I can't wait to go see them live. And my mom was like, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> and How long ago was this? Mid-2000s, right? Oh, uh, yeah. This would have been like 2004, 2005. Right. Oh, that would have hurt. Yeah, I had some tears. Oh, I could imagine. They definitely got some amazing live stuff, Nirvana, especially live at Reading. That's a that's something mm. I wish I could have seen live. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the MTV is obviously their most well-known live performance. Reading is probably mm. in the top three. And then what's the other one? Muddy Banks? Uh, from the Muddy Banks of uh, Wishika, I think it is. Yeah. That's a that's good one as well. Yeah. yeah, that's the one that I heard, like, before like everything else like when youtube was just starting out like that's what you could find you know 
I've got some good live stuff. I, um, I got a question for you, Cyprus. Um, yeah. What made you uh, decide to make folkier country music instead of going with your grunge roots? Yeah, well, I actually think it's kind of interesting that, um, um, so when you think of Kurt Cobain's vocal style and his writing style, he has a lot of country undertones. So when you look at grunge, what makes it kind of stand out is that, especially Kurt Cobain's grunge, is that it has this kind of country uh, Western undertone to it and some of the imagery and like his vocal patterns. So I thought it would be interesting to flip it and put uh, grunge undertones into folk songs. Ah, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, so like, you know, like the idea is that like grunge embodies like a lot of angst and like anger and country music is like kind of letting go of that or, you know, following like a like a ballad or something like that. And I, I like the idea of having these these lines. Um, if I could quote something of mine um, is, um, and if I die, then who am I kidding? I'll be buried within the living. It's kind of dark, but at the same time, it's beautiful because it's like, it's kind of like renewal at the same time of death, you know? So like, I like those like undertones and those themes that you find in grunge and putting those back into country where I think a lot of grunge kind of stems from. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely very prevalent in uh, grunge music, especially with Alice in Chains as well. Cause I believe Jerry Cantrell is very inspired by a lot of that country stuff as well especially on this album, which mm. I guess we'll talk about. Yeah, so Cyprus, when uh, we got in contact and uh, thought about, oh, you'd be, good. you'd be good to talk about a grunge album here, what, how did you react when I made the pitch to you, Alice in Chains, self-titled versus In Utero? What first went through your head when we pitched it? How can I not be biased? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think the first thing coming into this is that, yes, I, I do like a lot of Alice in Chains and, their MTV special uh, Unplugged is arguably just as good, if not as, if not better than Nirvana's. Um, it's definitely extremely underrated, I believe. But this album is really interesting because a lot of those these songs are featured on that um, that live performance. And I, it was kind of new to me because I'd never heard the whole whole album. So listening to the album for the first time, I was, you know, just trying to take everything in and, you know, trying to gauge the perspective of it. So Imran. You said it was your favorite of each. Have, have you been conflicted yeah. for the last few weeks? I have. Well, initially, I, uh, I was leaning towards one side. But now that I've properly listened, because I haven't listened to these two albums in a while. So my initial thought was to one. I won't, I won't spoil anything. Initial, uh, I was leaning towards one album at first. But now that I've listened to both of them, written some notes, I could not tell you which one I prefer, uh, which one I'll win tonight. So guess we're going to find out together. And Cyprus is going to be trying very hard to maintain as impartial as he can, I hear, as well. Yeah, I want to make sure that I take into consideration the same factors. And, okay, and well then, two final questions then. One is a piece of admin. Uh, you do have material available right now. I think it's on SoundCloud, isn't it, called Fire? If you want to talk about Fire, just to get, we'll get to know what you sound like. Yeah, sure. So um, this one is definitely Bob Dylan-inspired, so... Um, a, a big song for me was Wagon Wheel growing up, and um, it has a lot of references to North Carolina, where I was born, and Tennessee, where I grew up, and goes all the way up to New England and back. And um, I, I kind of liked the Bob Dylan-esque um, like imagery and uh, landscapes he, he makes when he writes, you know. So um, I start the song off with, um, yeah, I start the song off with some really interesting uh, imagery. Um, and like it, 
basically it starts with the chorus, right? So yeah, it's talking about being a fire and comparing that to um, my dog just came inside. Sorry. Yeah, and I'm all I'm already flustered, so I have to regain my composure. Um, as so I was the more saying, the dog's yes, invading. It's not the three-legged dog on the Alice in Chains album, clearly. <laughs> True. <laughs> more than one dog on this podcast. Talk about tie-ins, hey? <laughs> yeah. So, so the idea, right? So this is the song. I guess the backstory is that I came to Australia in 2016, and for the first three months, I was just working and on holiday, and then essentially what happened was I went up to Kings Lake and I saw kind of like the aftermath of the, the Black Saturday and I got this kind of like this feeling like wow like this country really burns you know and like when I went back to high school I just kind of like put two and two together I'm like yeah this country is gonna start like having fires and stuff and so I really liked the imagery in um in fires right so like for on one instance you have charcoal um, which is actually really full of nutrients. On the other hand, you have clay, which needs that nutrients, right? So in a way, this, this fire, this renewal is actually feeding back into the earth. And while it's kind of terrible for animals, for the plants, they're actually kind of used to it and they need it, you know? So um, I kind of use that imagery as like a, a catalyst for love and how we treat other people, if that makes sense. Mm. But well, that's really interesting. Very well thought out for a mm. very simple laid back folk song. That will make you, that will make the listener think. So, yeah, that's available out on SoundCloud right now. Uh, and finally, and then we'll be heading into the battle. I've been asking this just to every outside guest we've had on Grunge Month. Why do we call it Grunge? We've had a three way between Dirt 10 and Nevermind. We've had, which in fairness, that's probably, you could probably make the argument of metal band versus rock band versus punk band. We've had, Soundgarden, which could be a borderline a metal band. Why do we call this grunge? Why do we call this period grunge? Why aren't we not at this moment comparing a metal album with a punk album? Right. So I I guess grunge for me, um, it's it's obviously a, a has to be um, taken regionally and uh, also the era into consideration. Right. So uh, Seattle, for instance, is a big hub for grunge, and I think that influence is basically a mix between um, punk, the depth of hair metal, which is, would be like the, the evolution, if you will. Um, and finally, a, a hinge of, of country and acoustics, you know? So uh, grunge is this very unique uh, art, like style in that I find that it's um, more uh, like homely, I guess, but at the same time, it's like you listen to the lyrics and they're not so homely. And they can have times of just thrashing out. Um, so I think grunge is kind of like a curveball when you think of like, when you compare the other ones, because you kind of know what to expect. But when you say, oh, this is a grunge song, it actually has a lot more variety, you know, especially like when comparing these two artists and the songs throughout the albums. And, I th- and Imran, I think it's time for us to dive deep into that, isn't it, Imran? Because I think no better explanation than that. Let's get to it, hey? I hear, hear. Yeah, let's do it. That means you have to have another encounter with the timekeeper, Imran. How do you feel? Uh, shaking my fist at him very vigorously. Well, I'm appreciating um, the laid back nature of Cyprus. He's looking at that timekeeper dead in the eye and saying, I'm not afraid of you. Bring it on. Let's do this. So timekeeper. He doesn't know what he's in for. <laughs> By the way, Cyprus, are you ready for Imran's hot takes? Yes. <laughs> oh, I don't glad. think you are, buddy. 
<laughs> That's going to be... so excited. Maybe this is the story of the night. What kind of hot takes has Cyprus got that Imran's just going to... He's going to grimace over. We'll find out once the timekeeper, if you may, ring the bell. Thanks, timekeeper. Uh, in accordance with me, I would probably just want to say, I think it might take... My decision at the end of this podcast might be based on being from being convinced by either Imran or Cyprus one way or the other. But either or, let's get straight to it. Track number one, Grind versus Serve the Servants. Killer opening tracks, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Serve the Servants is an interesting one because that's like, you get, from the comparison of Nevermind, that started off as like their hit song. Everyone knew it. It sucked you right in. This one's got a bit of an odd intro because Serve the Servants isn't really a song that stands out in Nirvana's catalog, but it's cool because it really sets the tone of the album from the get go. They're like new experimental, like punk, like back to their roots, punky sound. It's got, it's got like kill. It's really interesting riffs, killer vocals and stuff. I like how it, it's still got the same Nirvana vibe, but it's different. Like you can tell right from the get go that this album's going to be different. And honestly, it's same with grind. I think compared to, the last two Alice in Chains albums. I mean, it's still the same gritty, like chugging, like head banging riffs, like crazy sounds and stuff. But I think from the get go with Grind, you can tell Jerry kind of lets loose on this. Jerry Cantrell, the guitarist. And yeah, he's, he starts off with singing, which is uh, a new turn as well, because Jerry doesn't really sing much on the other albums. So yeah, these two are just two very interesting tracks that really set the tone for what's to come for both of these albums respectively. And yeah, I don't know. What do you think Cypress? Yeah. So I think that serve the servants is, is um, in Nirvana's case, like a very strong uh, representative to be the first track. I know, I think a lot of people judge an album based off the first track, you know, in the first couple of seconds of the track. And um, it kind of starts off slow and then it picks up and I, I really like the progression of it. And uh, it's it's actually compared to a lot of the other songs in this album, much more palatable to like the the outside perspective. So if you've never heard Nirvana before, uh, you can kind of kind of get that same feeling that you might get um, listening to Sweet Teen Spirit for the first time. I really like the chorus. Uh, Serving the servants is just like so interesting to me. Like it's kind of like you know like noting that people kind of look over some people and like. It's like talking about like kind of giving it back, you know, like a little social mm. commentary there. Um, and with Grind, I found that um, it's, it's, it, it represents Alice in Chains really well because it doesn't really try to like differentiate or like slow down for like new, new listeners. It's like it's either you, you're going head first and you got to be prepared for that or not. I really like this, uh, this song on Alice in Chains album Grind um, because of the like the melodies and the, the fillers they put in, especially towards the end with the guitar. Um, I just found that um, it doesn't have like, as you know, like I'm, I'm a lyrically inclined person and um, I really like the chorus and the verses, but they they're, it's almost too repetitive. And I, I would like to hear more like instrumental in that song, you know? Hey, with, with Grind, uh, what's well, Alice in Chains, sorry, in particular, they do a lot of that where it's like, it's kind of got that, poppy vibe where they their songs are catchy but they're just super dark and heavy yeah it's still got that like catchy element to it though and it's almost like anti-pop hey <laughs> almost yeah yeah it's really interesting 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm inclined to pick Grind for this one because it's such a wicked opener. It's it's like killer riffs. It's I love Lane's vocals in the chorus in this where not the chorus, sorry, the the verse where because you've got Jerry with his nice clean vocals and then contrasting Lane has got like some distortion on his voice and he sounds real raspy and dirty and just he's using I, a vocal right? I believe so. He like there's an, definitely an effect on his voice like with some distortion or something. But yeah, he. Um, yeah, this this song is just a it's a it's a thumper in uh, in your words, Jason. Yeah. Um, or chuggy. Yeah, it's yeah chuggy. It's just it's a classic Alice in Chains song. Great way to start an album. You know, like all all respect to serve the servants. That's a very that's a great song. But I think I'm going to pick Grind for this one. Yeah, I remember liking Serve the Servants the first time. Then I started listening into it on this album. And I started why did I like it the first time? Now it's I've been hot. I've been flip flopping. You know. Mm. might need mm. some convincing cypress what are you going to be taking yeah so i think this opening track is is uh very well produced it's clean there's not much feedback from the guitars you hear in some of the later songs um i think like in terms of picking a song to be the first one i think uh it's, it's pretty decent um i i really like the line uh, i tried hard to have a father but instead i had a dad i think that line's always kind of stuck with me you know and um I think I'm probably just going to lean with Serve the Servants on this one. <laughs> okay, so the first point for Cyprus is going to In Utero. 1-0, of course. Uh, I'm very stuck, and I think I might need to be pulling out the asterisks, you know. <sighs> I'm very stuck, Imran. Um, all right, I'll, I'll give you a convincing point. The solo okay. in Grind is wicked. It is good. It is There's, good. That, I think, is one of the best uses of the tremolo arm since Jimi Hendrix. It's a hot take, but it's it's a good use of the tremolo arm. Hmm. He, he's got some sick techniques in that. <laughs> this opinion may change, but I'll, I do like the chugger of grind. I like Serve the Servants, but this can change. But my first point is going to go to grind. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. That's right. Oh, it's only dear the first God. One. What's that, it only gets worse from here. It, it gets only gets worse? worse from here, buddy. Yep. <laughs> Brush Away versus sense, Scentless Apprentice. Sorry. Brush Away versus Scentless Apprentice. Uh, just for the get the fun fact right out of the way. Scentless Apprentice. Apprentice. See, what a tongue twister. Uh, that was yeah. the... It's one of the very rare songs that is credited entirely to Nirvana. All three of them had a hand at writing that one. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I had that written down as well. Yeah, that one's uh, also based off a book by... Um, oh, I forgot his name, but it's, it's a book about a... Perfume. It's called Dust Perfume. Perfume. Yep. Perfume the story of a murderer or something, and um, Spoilers. yeah, it's about a yeah, it's about a kid who um was basically born with no body odor and he's got a super smell sense. And I'm not going to go into the rest of it because it's dark, but it's it's cool. But yeah, Sandless Apprentice is a honestly one of my favorite tracks off of uh, In Utero, um, because that's that groove at the start on the drums just oh, is freaking wicked. Um, you've got the crazy guitars happening at the start sick riff it's like a in the verse it's like almost like a call and response from the guitar riff and the the vocals and then that chorus is just like crazy nuts screaming like just it's like organized noise it's insane even the the guitar solo is just nonsense and the whole song's pretty much just held together by drum and bass but it's a like for a crazy punk song that's just noise that's a that's a solid song yeah I, I think my point's going to go to that one. 
Imran, to round. your point, I think half of in utero is held together by drum and bass, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's that's a fair take. Yeah. yeah. But with, uh, with you know, I mean, it, it pays off with this song, you know. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, so this is an interesting one because um, the drums are very prominent in it. And um, a little interesting tidbit about this album is that it was basically recorded off the mountains in, I believe, Washington. And, I think it was uh, Minnesota, Steve, I, believe, I think, from what I read. Okay. Yeah, so somewhere in the middle of nowhere, essentially. And uh, they got snowed in for half of it. So um, they were kind of upset whenever they got, you know, they were doing it for like about two weeks, um, which is pretty quick. I don't know, kind of kind of slow in some, some aspects, but com- compared to how much they actually did in the limited amount of time they did, pretty in- interesting. Um, but an interesting tidbit is that um, when Dave Grohl was doing the drums, uh, they found it was too loud for some of the songs. And so they would put him in the kitchen and they'd set up 30 microphones around his <laughs> drum kit. And yeah, so, so some of these tracks, you'll hear the drums come in and it's just like, whoa. And it's Steve Albini putting 30 microphones around Dave Grohl. <laughs> so um, oh Senseless Apprentice is a good example of that one because uh, it's just, it's really raw and, you know, it's, it is very punky. I admit, I agree on that one too. Raw, yeah. punky, and garagey, but I, I'm not a fan of that screaming, you know? Yeah. Well, Damn. there's one, it's, 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 it definitely grows on you. He's saying, get away. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, if you read the lyrics, like, you're kind of be repulsed by it. But, like, it's it's one of those things where, like, he, he kind of wrote these horror tracks, you know, some, sometimes. And that's kind of, like, if you compare it to his, his like, his physical art, like, with the babies and the in utero um, album cover, like, it like, kind of makes sense that he would, he would sing songs like this. So um, I guess I would put my point into Senseless Apprentice in this one as well. We haven't even talked about Brush Away yet. So, Imran, what, just give us a little bit of a rundown on that song. Oh, I mean, Brush Away is, a, in its own right, a great song. It's, it's got that classic grunge intro of, like, the super heavy chorus effect on it. Um, there's a massive sound to that song. There's, like, big, um, big guitars in it. There's some sick bass in that verse. I, like the, I particularly like the chorus in this song because it's very rhythmic. Because it's like, they try to get away. Like, very rhythmic in terms of how they... Mm. Uh, sing it and it's I, I think it's really catchy plus the guitar solo in it as well is also great I think this album is very much Jerry's standout album I think this is like honestly like his peak of his guitar playing is on this album like which I'll, I'll get into more later but he's got some fantastic stuff like he, he he explores some like crazy experimental type stuff on this and it's I, I love his guitar playing on this I think it's one of the main reasons why it's my favorite Alice in Chains album be sure to that's, let us know um, about that as we go along. That's interesting that, that you, you are attached to the chorus because I'm more drawn to the verse, especially particularly in, when he's talking about um, when himself, when he's like, my aggression, my intention. Like that really like mm. stuck with me. Like, like the intention that he actually has in his voice when he says those words is, is really, um, really cool. And like, I thought that that was like um, really nice. And like the vocalization in the song is nice but like i think um i don't know it, it's it, it it can go both ways in some instances like i personally like it in the verse more than in the chorus mm. i mean the verse is also it's great it's, it's another classic case of alice in Chains' um use of harmony 
mm. um, with the, it, it's kind of like a power chord almost that they do with, with the voice and it's, which is like in musical terms, it's got the, the main melody line and you've got a perfect fifth above it or below it, which would be a fourth. But yeah, not to get too much into that. It's, it's very much like stable, like it's called a perfect fifth. So it's like, it, it makes sense the whole time and it just, it works. It gives it that really thick, like almost angelic uh, right. kind of sound. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Imran, Imran and I still need a pick on a winner on this one. Cypress has gone to. Oh, I'm picking Scentless Apprentice. Scentless Apprentice. I think. Yeah. You know what? I, I that's think, a, yeah. I think I think all three of us are in agreement, but I think I'm picking Scentless Apprentice for Apprentice for a different reason, just because Brushaway felt a bit stagnant and a bit just a bit too mellow for my liking. I'm not sure that can easily mellow. change once we're done. Not not as in mellow as in like melancholy, but just stagnant. Stagnant doesn't move along all that much where scentless apprentice has a bit more going on mm. personal yeah, opinion that could easily change within the next hour or so but i'll take scentless apprentice uh yeah so that's that's tied it up for myself and imran yippee kai yay next up sludge factory versus heart shaped box i just want to say before we get into analysis if sludge factory went up against scentless apprentice i would have picked it but it doesn't it goes up against probably the best song off in utero this is quite possibly one of the hardest picks. Like this is one that I have been thinking about for the past maybe three or four days. And I still can't wow. seem to come to a decision because on one hand, uh, you've got Heart Shaped Box, which is a, one of the most iconic Nirvana songs. Uh, and Easily. quite possibly quite possibly one of the greatest Nirvana songs of all time. Like it, like arguable, but it's, you, it, there's no way it's not in your top three. Cypress, like, is that a hot take? Uh, it's top 10. It's, oh, it, it's got a great, so like, don't get me wrong. This is a great song, but I have listened to their box set like 20 times. And there's so many unreleased tracks that like, uh, Kurt Cobain was scared to put out there that I think he should have. And this one was, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because like, he's kind of t- making this dig at like his re- falling relationship and it is quite personal, you know? It's also an extremely influential song. I think that, um, so personally, Heart Shaped Box is um, about his relationship with Courtney Love. Um, She's actually gone on interviews and like boasted about how this song was about her and she's been very vulgar about it and not necessarily like using it. Like it's like, I don't know. It's, It's one of those things where like it sparked a lot of controversy and especially in the music world, you'll see that a lot of people in the 90s would start writing diss tracks about Courtney Love because of the song and because of the way that she, uh, like, you know, wow. just came about having it. Yeah, so there is, it is really heavy um, when you look at this, this track. Um, and, I mean, vocally, like, lyrically, it's great. Um, it's got a decent chorus, um, guitar solo. Um, but personally... Hold on, hold on, um, hold on. Yep. Decent chorus. <laughs> okay. So, hey, wait, Decent? I got a new complaint. Forever in debt to your priceless advice. It's, 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 yeah, it's like, it's good. It's like, it's like if grunge would put in a fortune cookie, you know? <laughs> fortune cookie. Wow. Yeah. Like if you open up a fortune cookie and like you wanted a chorus, like this one would be one of them. Um, but like the verse is so much better. Like she eyes me like a Pisces when I'm weak. Um, like me eating orchids, like, um, I think the verse definitely is where like Kurt stands out in a lot of his tracks. 
and like occasionally he'll use his chorus as like like you know to express a political view or something like that um and in this case it's just like expressing his angst which is great um now i really like the melody of sludge factory i love the music um and i think the thing that stands out about this track uh sludge factory and uh, heart shaped box is actually the outro of Alice in Chains. So you hear all the filler, you hear the guitar progressions, and then it comes in with this very like powerful message that is like overlooked, um, right? So like, are we talking? Um, your weapon is guilt. Yeah, the weapon is, is guilt. The... So more importantly, uh, the lines that that come before it. Um, in the wrecking of the keeping the desired effect, the breaking of the spirit thwarts the whole being. You understood right? all that? Yeah, so like the weapon is guilt. If you if you if you go up to like halfway, right? So he starts off by saying, um, uh, where the vultures, liars, thieves, each proclaim their innocence. No one suggests no, no one suggestions or rhythm. So essentially your weapon is contained, right? So like vultures, liars, and thieves each proclaim their innocence. So the ones that are like suppressing the people. Are, are, are basically using the guilt of other people to keep them suppressed. It's almost like Stockholm Syndrome, right? I mean, this song is, um, this song is uh, about like their, their kind of protest against the music industry almost because sure. uh, they wrote this song in particular when um, they got a message from uh, their record company saying they only had nine days uh, like either left or they only had nine days to record this album. And yeah. like obviously... I didn't do that because that's ridiculous. Um, that's interesting. So, it's interesting. Like... Yeah, yeah, in kind of protest of that, which is like yeah. kind of the factory where it's like um, that factory is meant to represent the uh, kind of churning out of songs or whatever. I think now is a good point to mention the production of In Utero is, is similar to that. Um, so like Sub Pop kind of got bought out and like they were gone to the next label, I guess. And they were being very pushy and demanding and Kurt wanted Steve Albini to do the album and he wanted to do it in two weeks. And basically if you look into this album, a lot of it is unpalatable to most of the people that would have liked. Um, never mind. And I think that that's where this album is like uh, kind of like a, its own piece. The whole album combined is like, it's, it's kind of like Kurt's realist album. It's like what he really wanted to put out. Like, you know, like it's not perfect. It's not. It's not a, um, supposed to be appeasing to the eye. It's supposed to have some raunchy elements and be controversial. But to bring it back, I, I think uh, I'm going to give it to Sludge Factory on this one. Really? You know what? Damn. I I still haven't made a decision between these two. Okay. I um because look, I I feel like Cypress, you really downplayed Heart Shape Box. Because oh, without a doubt. Well, like, I mean, I grew up playing it on Guitar Hero, you know, so I love the song. Um, yeah, I, but I'm trying to give Allison credit and change the credit it deserves where it deserves it. Oh, yeah, I, I understand that. Because Sludge Factory is a, that riff is one of my favorite Allison Chains riffs of all time. And mm -hmm. the, like, like you said, the melody of that song is amazing. The bridge, I think, is the highlight is um, when it goes to that, like, weird bendy vocal, like, once again, you see, like that. That part is like, whoa, like, mwah, like that is amazing. It's some like sick like lead guitar stuff in that. The I find the um the solo is really interesting because it's real sloppy and uh like it 
kind of like dry and you can tell he's kind of messing that up on purpose but i i feel like that also adds to the song and yeah like you yeah. said the ending part is like the ending part's sick where it's just like all the the weird mumbly like a lot of spoken word dialogue and then the, your weapon is guilt and then goes on for a while after that it's got like this weird time change at the end and yeah it's it's a cool song but going up against heart shape box like it is, is tough so it's this is a like a 10 out of 10 Nirvana song yeah, I'm with you Jason, on that one, Imran. Jason, you picked it. I haven't song. picked yet, but I'll take Heart Shape Box. But uh, let's just once again, yeah, we'll give Sludge Factory a bit of its uh, uh, credit, especially on my end. It'd probably easily be top five favorite off this album specifically. But just to your points of when you've been talking about the bridge, you're talking about the solos, talking about the spoken word. I was just thinking from a general overall vibe kind of thing. Kind of just screamed like it's a canary in a coal mine. This entire vibe <laughs> of that song. Yeah. I could see that. And there you have it. So, yeah. so Cypress Sludge Factory is the, is the point for you. That's it. It was kind of a tough decision um, because, you know, there's such a cultural significance on Heart Shape Box and it's probably the most recognizable song. Um, but at the same time, I found that like uh, the Alice in Change one was almost like a ballad. You know? Oh, wow. And yeah, and I really liked what they did with the ending with, with their uh, their samples or like just their like whatever they plug in at the end, their outro. Right on. Uh, Imran, decision time. Uh, can you give me like 10 minutes? I, I, I can't do that. I'm sorry, Imran. I'm afraid I cannot <laughs> right, do that. Uh, Space Odyssey <laughs> reference on the Great Metal Standoff. He's gone any meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> it's getting close. Maybe get a coin. Hot check box. Hot check box. Take it before I leave it. Big 50 asterisks on that. Let's make it 100. How about that? That sounds good. I like 100 that. asterisks? All right. With 100 yeah. asterisks next to it, Imran has taken heart-shaped box. Next up, uh, probably the... Uh, Imran, correct me if I'm wrong, the lead single of the self-titled Heaven Beside You? Uh, definitely one of them, yeah. Heaven Beside You goes up against Rate Me, the bluntest well, Nirvana song off this. Maybe their entire discography, one- but easily this album. Well, this one was kind of an easier pick for me, even though like my pick goes to heaven beside you for this one, not to discredit rape me. That's a, that's a very powerful song. I think like the only thing that really catches me about that song is the message behind it, which I don't want to get into, but cause it's really dark, but um, the, the message behind that song is very powerful. But I think if I'm looking at it in terms of the song itself, it's like when I first heard that song, I thought I literally thought I was listening to smells like teen spirit. It's like, it's kind of another, right. like the, like the same chords. That's, that's kind of what it sounded like to me. Whereas Heaven Beside You is more dynamic. It's got, it's, I, this song somehow perfectly mends country, the Beatles, and that really dark, heavy Alice in Chains sound. Just the way each section flows into each different section, just even though like the, the verse, the chorus and the, the bridge part, they're so very distinctly different parts, yet they somehow perfectly flow through each other. And I, it amazes me every time I listen to that. It just kind of cements Jerry Cantrell's like genius on this album for me. As well as like, I, this song was about, um, I think Jerry Cantrell's uh, recent ex at that time. Uh, it was his girlfriend of seven years. Yes. And yeah, that was kind of his, yeah, he's kind of pouring out about that and, uh, it's such a powerful song, especially the unplugged version, which I got to mention that that's also an amazing rendition of it. But you get a very lifeless yeah. vibe in that acoustic riff throughout Heaven Beside You. Mm, yeah, definitely. And it's, but yeah, it's the release. You've just you've just 
uh, given a passionate plea about that, but yeah, just the build, the release into the into that. Where does the soul, the lead lines, are they in the chorus, or was that more of like an interlude bridge kind of thing? They're um, like the lead guitar stuff. Yeah, once it all builds up and you know, ah, oh, rah. That that kind of I think that's a bridge, honestly, because okay. I think the chorus to me is the part where it's like, like the coldest yes. winter. Ch-. Yeah, that's kind I'd of say the so too. To me. Yeah, and yeah, goes into the bridge, which is like the super dark, heavy, dissonant. Like it, there's some amazing guitar work on that, but yeah, sure I, is, Heaven yeah. Beside You, kind of an easier one for me here. Okay, of course not to discredit Nirvana, but yeah. Was it as easy for you, Cypress? Um. No, this is definitely a hard one for me, honestly. Um, the reason being is because I am very into statement pieces, and I think that people um, look too too closely to the lyrics sometimes. They don't really look into what the artist's intent is, and they don't listen to the artist after the, when they try to defend their words. Um, so I, I think Heaven Beside You, I'll, I'll start on this one first. Basically, I think that this song is um, really dynamic. I love the... Uh, the way they, they use that um, rhythm uh, electric guitar to go over the lead um, acoustic. I think it goes really well. I like the lyrics. It's actually, I think in the post chorus, it says, uh, I'm just see-through faded, super jaded and out of my mind. It actually sounds like like something I've written before. Like I've, I've rhymed, uh, I've, I've had those feelings of feeling faded, turning into feeling jaded, you know? So like, I, it's actually cool. So well. Yeah, it's cool to see that how that that comes out like and people like, you know, like and like to to see someone's already written something like that is just great. Now, when it comes to the song Rate Me, I think um, it is definitely a 100% statement piece. And I'm not sure if you know the history behind this song, but essentially this song is a um, it's a statement piece on not only how the media portrayed uh, Kurt Cobain's song Polly, but how the general populace didn't even understand the, the meaning behind Polly, right? So you have Polly, which is an extremely anti-rape song in the perspective of the rapist, whereas Rape Me is in the perspective of, um, I believe, Kurt Cobain. Um, and I think that this is his take on the media trying to attack him as being maybe misogynistic, uh, when it's not true, like he he spent his whole life defending uh, minorities, women, and people with disadvantages. You know, like he wasn't a popular kid at school. Um, in the interesting note is in the cover of Incesticide. Now you're probably gonna have to bleep this out. There's a quote that says, "If you're against, if you if you if you're against, um, or." Not against. Is this the quote that um is like if you're against uh, gays um or like yes um you're gays, racist, people of you're... colors or yeah. women um don't don't buy our album yeah and yeah stay that's the... on that's in in utero um I read it was an incesticide is it in in utero oh, as well I I heard it was in in utero that's when he uh, put it in there because that yeah. was like after um he also released in bloom which is like about the same um kind sure. of topic. Sure. Yeah. Um, I know it's an, I, I think it's, I believe it's an incesticide as well. Um, but um, essentially um, this, he, he, he told everyone to stay away from them and um, to leave them alone. Yeah. And I, I just find this song is like, it, it's dynamic as well. You know, like it has slow parts and then it builds up. And even though the, the verses aren't, are, 
you know, like two of the verses are the same, like of the three verses and the, like the chorus is kind of like, it's, it's the same, you know, it's really repetitive. It's, it's trying to get a point across and, and like the bridge is really important too. It's like my favorite inside source. Um, it's like people are like, oh, I know what Kurt Cobain really means in his lyrics. And it's like, people don't, they're looking at it from an outside lens. And now I think, I think Heaven Beside You is, is um, a lot better um, com- composition-wise. <laughs> um, but lyrically, I find that the um, Alice in Chains song is um, it's almost as repetitive as Nirvana's song. And in this instance, I'm going to go with the, um, the statement piece with Rate Me. Imran, I'm with you. Heaven Beside You. You almost swayed me, Cypress, mm-hmm. but uh, Heaven Beside You. Uh, in my opinion, that's the, the superior song. Compositionally, mm. I guess. But yes, of course, sure. statement piece. Very well thought out by Kurt Cobain on that end. So just of a course. quick score update. That would mean Cyprus in utero leads three to one. For Imran and myself, it's two all. I didn't actually expect a draw. Damn. Imran, is this the draw I've been predicting all this all month long? To clarify, oh boy, I I'm hope gonna not. Draw. I'm going to draw all of you guys because I voted for Sledge Factory. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Here we go. And with that, we now move on to Head Creeps versus Frances Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle. That is an insanely long name. Let's learn more about it. But before that, Imran, I have a little story for you. I was listening to Head Creeps. As I was taking my notes, I wrote down, intro is a, sounds like a spiritual successor to Angry Chair. And then I go and I'm scrolling through web browsers. And then I read, oh, it's the only song that Lane Staley is solely credited to. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, that's, this is the only song that um, he... Yeah, he wrote the riff and the words and, yeah, everything. It's, um, this one Head took quite is, a um, while for me to rap, get an opinion of, by the way. This one's... A, yeah, I, I'm quite conflicted I've whether a, I like it or not. I got a reference a quote I got from an old friend of mine um, a while ago that uh, once I was talking about this album with her and she said that this album feels like you're walking... Like, it feels like you're walking through a swamp, which I think huh. is quite possibly the most accurate representation of this album because it's slow, it's long, it's sludgy, it's dark. And I think this album is one of the, uh, this song, sorry, is one of the album representatives of that quote. Because it's, it's very, it's very doomy. It's, it's got that distorted, like dirty vocal uh, on it. There's like a lot of feedback with the vocals as well, which I, I kind of like, I kind of dig that. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's real dirty. Like the, I think this is one of those songs that like really epitomizes that grunge term of like okay. real like messy sounding and as well as it's got it's kind of got a bluesy chorus um with some cleaner vocals and stuff but yeah it's a very tense song it's real long i feel like it goes for a bit longer than it should it i, yeah, I feel like it i feel that could have ended yeah there's a part in it where um they they kind of do this harmony almost angelic sounding like uh like a, one of those and i feel like it could have ended there but it it keeps going and you know, not like it's a good song, but I feel like the only thing that really discredits it is that it goes on for too long. And yeah, my pick for this one is going to have to go to Francis Farmer for that because that's a that's definitely one of the most underrated songs on In Utero. That's a banger and a half. That's it's it's got that little quiet chuggy part at the start, which like really unexpectedly like explodes into the song. You've got another one of those like kind of call and response like uh, verse um, uh, lyrics and riff kind of thing in the verse the chorus is catchy as hell and i like the fact that in the bridge they didn't they didn't go for like the traditional solo they just went for a chord progression which is kind of 
kind of different. You don't really expect it. Uh, plus, David's drums, David Grohl. Um, I don't know why I called him David there. No, he was raised um, as a David, it seems. Yeah, but yeah, Dave, Dave Grohl, the, the drummer of Nirvana. He, I think, particularly stands out in this song because he he knows when to play quiet and loud in this song. And he's got the real like quiet parts in the verse. And if you listen out for like in the chorus and stuff, he goes nuts and he really plays loud. And yeah, I, my vote's going to have to go to Francis for this one. It's that's a banger of a song. Cyprus, do you share the same sentiment? Um, yeah, I do. Um, in terms of uh, Nirvana songs, this is one of my favorites. Uh, this is actually my favorite off the album. Why is so, that? Background of this. Well, background of the story is Frances Farmer was an actress who had schizophrenia and Kurt Cobain was really interested with people with mental illness. Um, and he even named his daughter Frances Bean Cobain. So um, there's something about this song that like it, it can be viewed as like a statement piece towards a, an actor with schizophrenia or towards his daughter, you know, like like in the next generation of grunge, you know. Um, I think that um, in terms of choruses, this is one of the most simple yet um, effective choruses he's written. Um, it's literally one one line. It's I miss the comfort and being sad. Mm. And I think that anyone who's gone through depression can actually, yeah. Mm. Anyone anyone's gone through depression can relate to that because uh, when you're going through depression, a lot of times you feel okay or fine, but when you're trying to be happy and bring up appearances, it's almost it almost feels easier to be just be sad or be okay with being sad. You know, so like. I think what his message there is, is pretty powerful and really concise. So yeah, I'm going to give it to this song. So Francis Farmer goes to, uh, is the point that Cyprus is going to give it or uh, politically incorrect by sadgasm, as I like to call it. Yes, Imran, I did actually <laughs> go there. I made, a, <laughs> um, but no, oh, Francis Farmer probably is one of the more underrated tracks. I know Cyprus just said it's his favorite, but I, for me, it's just more of an underrated track off in utero. And I'm probably, I think we're, it sounds like we're going to be all in agreement here. Cause I'm definitely going to take that mm. one as well. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. No one really talks about this song. I feel like it's definitely underrated. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I'm still conflicted as to whether I like head creeps or not. Just, just for I, a moral victory of head creeps. What have you got anything that could help convince me that I do Imran? Well, I mean, I, I kind of like the fact that it's, it's i feel like it's very black sabbath inspired in the fact that it's real doomy and like it's got that alice in chance like chuggy kind of vibe to it as well as the fact that it like in terms of like the guitar licks and stuff i i like the fact that it's kind of bluesy it's got like the the classic uh like zeppelin black sabbath kind of vibe as well as keeping with like you know alice in chains and sound as well yeah like th this song in particular has always been like one that like i i kind of skip halfway through like i I, I particularly like the first half of it, but it it drags. I, I got It's it's one of those songs that it just yeah. Like I said before, the the analogy of the swamp. It just it really drags. Interesting. The swamp. The swamp comparison. My comparison was that the riffage is just like the opening of Hell's Gate. So it's it's still that's still a very similar mm -hmm. feel. But uh, yeah, as we could, move yeah. on now, this is on my first listen of the self-titled is when things started blurring into one for me a little bit. And I started getting a little bit, this is getting a little bit monotonous. Mm. Luckily in future listens now what I'm at like listen five or something like that. It has gotten a lot better, but still both of these tracks, I think this is going to be a hot take for you for both of you, actually again, versus uh -oh. dumb. Don't really rate either of them. Oh, really? 
That's a hot hmm. take, I know. The only thing I like that about is... Dumb is that cello. Dun, 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 dun. I could hum That's that all take. day, but other than that. That is a very hot take. I, that is very hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a boiling even. hot take. Yeah. I, I got to say, with Again, I get what you mean by the monotonous, like, chugging stuff, because the only problem with Again that I have on the album is that is where it's placed. Because it's placed after, like, so you've got the first two tracks, the first three tracks, sorry, which are chuggy riffs. Yep. Then you've got Heaven Beside You, which is, you know, a, a bit of a draw away from that. And then you've got Head Creeps, which is like pretty much purely chugging. And then you go into Again, which legitimately is one of my favorite songs on this album. And I think it was also one of the lead singles. But I, it's, you know, it's like, it's a bit different, but it's, it's another chuggy riff. And the mm. problem with it is where it's placed on the album. Because it's legitimately a standout track if you if it wasn't kind of muddled with all the other chuggy riffs, you know. So it, like, especially the fact that like with again as well, they they kind of go into that like poppy direction as well with the in the bridge. They got that killer riff, and then they go into the doot, doot, yeah, doot, doot, like the that vocal that stuff part. is actually quite uh, leaves curiosity. Yeah, it's it's one of the things that really makes this song stand out against like all the other chuggy songs on this album and it's it's just it's great the the melody in the verse is cool it's simple i like the chorus how it switches to um like that ah, and then you got like in the background is like the vocals over the the weird angelic kind of um vocals and stuff and yeah it's it's simple but it's a great song it's definitely i think a standout track off of this album and then you got dumb which like straight into the song, this is like a two and a half minute song, short, sweet to the point. The cello, I think takes a very prominent role in the song, but it's yeah. uh, like, aside from the cello, like it's all, it's a great song. It's, it's got a, it's got a nice meaning behind it. It's got, it's kind of a, in my, in my head, it's kind of like a something in the way part two, um, where it's just, it's really simple, but, it works, you know, it's like, it's one of those songs that kind of sticks with you. I haven't made a decision yet because both of these songs are very memorable in my head. So Cypress, please feel free to go. I'm going to think about this. Yeah. So what I find from the first verse, especially is um, it's similar to the track off. Never mind. You have to remind me the name um, where it's like, well, it's similar to Aero Zeppelin, which, which was off of Incesticide for one. Um, but mm. the feel is, is kind of uh, targeted towards the audience. And so it's like, I'm not like them, but I can pretend. Um, uh, the day is done, but I'm having fun. I think I'm done or maybe just happy. Um, it's kind of about like people that are just like, they don't really step out of their comfort zone. You know, they're kind of like content with being happy. Um, and what's the song? Okay, so it's like, he's the one who likes all the pretty songs in bloom, in yeah. bloom yeah exactly so it's got that in bloom vibes in bloom vibes started out hmm. and hmm. i yeah so um and then like the chorus is just like talking about being happy and like different varieties of that and uh the second verse really stands out to me uh my heart is broke but i have some glue let me inhale and mend it with you we'll float around hang on clouds then we'll come down um, I think it's very simple, but the imagery there is just really beautiful. Like that yin, yin, yang he's got, you know, like kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it is on one point, like kind of codependent, I guess, but it is very cute. And I've always liked this song, like uh, for its, its metaphor and poetry. Again is, I don't know, it is, 
I, I understand that it has those poppy feels and like it's I don't know it's kind of competitive and it's it seems like it's longer than it should be I'm not trying to jab at the artist or anything but it's just I don't know it seems like they were trying to make a really long album and they had a lot of fillers put in every so often which is it's fun like to listen to like live absolutely and stuff like that um but it's, I don't know, I think that Dumb is very compacted and it's concise in this case, so I'm going to give it to Dumb. Imran, coming up to a final decision, or do I have to explain my hot take a little bit? Please explain your hot take. I have to, don't I? Uh, dumb? Yep. Yes. Melancholy, like I said, the thing I like, cello. I, could hum, I, I said yeah. that at the very beginning, I could hum to that all day. Let's put it this way. I reckon 14-year-old Jason would love Dumb. It'd be his favourite Nirvana song. 20-year-old Jason, not so much. I think it's a much, it doesn't mm. relate as much to me any, uh, just at this present time. Who the hell knows yeah. what 21-year-old Jason or what 30-year-old Jason will think, but it, that's kind of my reasoning for why Dumb's not that much of a highly rated song in my mind. What about Again? Um, again? Mm. Uh, Again, just that's another one that needs convincing. It's well, it's one of those tracks. that's like, I, if I'm, uh, I don't, I don't know what to compare it to, but it's just, it's one of those like short, choppy, like it, not choppy, but uh, how do I explain? It's, it's a simple like off this album. It's simple. It's choppy. It's like, it. I feel like it. The only downfall it has is where it is because I feel like this mm. is a standout track that like against everything else in this kind of it's it's that hit song like this was legitimately released as a single yeah it's a good hit song but it just in terms of album placement and in terms of going up against a song like dumb is like ah it's inconvenient do you know what just because of the curiosity that i have for the vocal melodies is probably why again's gonna etch it for me that's I think that if that helps you make your decision or if that just makes it worse for you, Cypress and I don't um, know. But uh, I know, again, we'll etch it just through curiosity's sake. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to just... Okay, just for, for nostalgia's sake, I'm going to go with dumb on this one. Dumb it is. I, yeah, just take big asterisks on that. <laughs> is, it another, is it another case where we got to move on before you change your mind? Quick, do it now. All right, we'll do it. Dumb, we'll do it. With Dumb, it's kind of versatile in that you can actually like listen to it in many different ways and perform it in different ways. Like you can do it cockily or you can do it confidently. Um, there's actually some like emo emo Midwestern uh, post punk bands that um, do good covers of Dumb. I can't think of the names right now, but like if you have have, have a look at some of the covers out there from from big name bands, it's it's like mm. a pretty like decently covered song as well. Send it to us. Maybe we can give it some airplay on Mosh Pit. But uh, before we move on, Imran, even though I know your mind might be about to change at any moment, I'll just give Dumb some credit here because I have slagged on it a little bit. The unplugged version is miles better. Yeah, yeah. that's the, that's a cold take. That's a that's an appropriate take. <laughs> there we go. Redeeming myself in the end. Okay, Shame in You versus Very Ape. Ooh, I like this song. All this right. one is a really interesting one. Because these two are my least favorite tracks on both albums. Interesting. Album, so. Okay. Explain why. Well, Shame in You, like, it's, it's, I feel like it's, it's, got the, it's got the vibe of, like, a, a country kind of song. It's, it's got that Alice in Chains, like, if they took a Jar of Flies, but, like, worse, 
in a sense. Like it, it's got that vibe of like this should have been on Jar of Flies, but hmm. they left it off for a reason, and for some reason they put it on this album. And yeah, I I don't know. I feel like it it kind of gives me um the vibe of confusion off a of facelift more than Rooster. I do like with this song that um the lead guitar is kind of bluesy, almost like classic rock kind of vibes from it. Yeah, there's like there's some cool like off rhythms from the drums and stuff, but yeah, it's just I feel like it's a bit draining. Like I maybe it adds it kind of adds to the vibe of that like the whole aesthetic of the whole album feeling like a swamp. I was going to um, ask you about that actually, Imran. Um, this is kind of at the point where I started thinking, from a visual perspective, especially when you listen to "Shame in You," it almost just from a. I'm not. You might need to help me out with uh, getting a grasp on production here, but it just sounds like it's kind of like underground in like some sort of concrete bunker, and it's like it's not really quite soaring like a song like "Rooster" or "Down in a Hole in Dirt" or even like something yeah. like "Sea of Sorrow" and "Facelift." It just seems really bogged down. Like, for example, yeah, the solo really on Shame and You is quite good, but it's just, it's subdued. Mm. I, I don't know if I'm using this term correctly, but it's like compressed. Like, it yeah. real, I don't think I'm using that correctly, but like, it's real muddy and very, like, yeah, like, like you said, it, does, it feels like if, these, like if these songs were on another album, that'd be standout, soaring, like, that'd be crazy. But Something like yeah, a rain this, when I die kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, this, I, yeah, I feel like Shame and You could kind of compare to that in that sense, like of the ballady, yeah. But yeah, for some reason, like on this album, because of the the visuals, the visual you get from um, like a down, dirty, sludgy kind of vibe, it, this song kind of drains, uh, like drains you. It's um, that's Nirvana reference. Yeah, drain you, um, unintended. Yeah, very unintended, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's real draining. And then Very Ape. Very Ape is a great song but I hate that it only goes for like a minute and a half. Yeah. Like, the one thing I hate about this song, it's, it's so visceral. It's crunchy. It's got a really cool, like lead guitar part. It's got super catchy lyrics. It's like the lyrics almost feel like sassy with the, like that lyric of, um, if you ever need anything, please don't hesitate to ask someone else first. Yeah. I love that. That's, line. that's yeah. extremely but, quoted too. Yeah. But it's, it goes, it's, this is a song that I feel like should not have been a filler track because this is very much a filler track. And uh, I hate that. Like the, this is the one, like the one thing that I, that deters me from this track is that it only goes for a minute and a half. And I feel like this should have been a full song. So yeah, again, I don't know what I'm picking. Um, Cypress go. Yeah. So like with, with this track, it is um, very uh, short. I'll give it that. Um, it's actually one of my dad's favorite songs, if that means anything. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a very fast paced song. It's, it's, it's much more punky than grunge. I find, um, I think the chorus is, is really nice. Like, like it's, it's very simple out of the ground, into the sky, out of the sky, into the dirt. It's like, it's kind of anticlimactic, you know, it's like back to where you started. Yeah. But I don't really have much to say with, um, shame and you, correct? Yeah. Um, it seems like, like that song has, uh, a bit more going for it in terms of like lyrics very ape is just kind of like this like i don't know like a word vomit if you will that like is like trying to just get out raw emotion yeah yeah, yeah that's I was right say, yeah okay so final uh, f- imran we'll start with you final answer i mean 
Look, I'm going to go with Very Ape just because mm. I like it as a track, but I, I want to say I hate the fact that it's a filler track. You're giving so... it a point for its potential. Yes. Yeah. All right. Do you know what? I think just for my end, for my sake, shaming you could probably grow on me eventually. The problems I have with that whole bogged down production style and how everything's very subdued and it's very muddy, it's kind of a gripe I have with the entire Alice in Chains self-titled. And it's kind of the reason why, once again, on first listen, it was a struggle to get through. It's had to, it's 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 a more grower than it is more of an impact, and you love it immediately. But yeah. uh, I mean, just because um, there's more substance there, shaming you is my point. I was going to say that um that muddier, bogged down uh, production really pays off in some songs. Though, like I'll I'll get to that later. But yeah, it, I, I think I've got. Pay- I can give a yeah. It's I'm quite complimentary to it as we go along. Uh, anyway, uh, Cypress. Um. Yeah. Um. I think that Very Ape is, an, is not necessarily one of their strongest songs, um, but it is. It, I do like how quick it is and that it, it is kind of like a, like a um, traditional punk song. It comes in and it comes out. And I, I, I personally just like it as like, a, as like a, you know, a heavy grunge sound. I really like that sound. So I'll go with, that, with this one. Very Ape? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Mm. Well, we'll do a quick score check then after I think we're seven tracks in. Got, got made some making progress, gentlemen. Uh, for myself, Alison Chains is now taking the lead four to three for Imran. In utero leads five to two. Cyprus, it's borderline, really? a, wa- it's borderline a washout at this point. It's six to one. <laughs> so much for impartiality, oh, yeah. I see. It's kind of like yes. Salome with Frog Stomp. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, all right, track eight now. God Am for the self-titled versus Milk It for In Utero. Oh, man, I was looking at this, like, just before, and I think this is quite possibly one of the, if like if not the hardest pick I have to make of this album. This is your hardest uh, one, is it? Because, well, yeah, because, well, Milk It is like, I don't, like, this may be a hot take on it, but I think this is the heaviest Nirvana track ever. Like, it's... It's crazy. It's like I get. It starts off with the uh, like the weird dissonant off like off note intro, like the weird drum rhythms, and then suddenly it kicks into that crazy riff. And I swear that is the heaviest they've ever gone. It's mm-hmm. it's insane. You you've got the. And this is also like a classic Nirvana track in the sense of you've got the really quiet verses and the really loud uh, chorus. And like in the verses, you've got the weird mumbly like it. It's real like. It freaks me out every time I listen to it because it's his like his mumbling. I, I can never understand what he's saying. And you've got the in the background just like guitar notes that are just all wrong. Oh, and then that 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 uh, riff hits, and you've got the big scream like the. the I'm not even going to attempt it. It grabs your attention really this. quickly. It's one of those attention grabbing yeah, songs. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. I freaking love this song. Um, and then you've got God Am on the other hand, which opens with the perfect. Uh, Sure, God's all powerful, but does he have lips? Whoa! And then comes in with that uh that really cool drum rhythm, kind of like right. Yeah, immediately hooks you, and you've got like the as well as like in the intro, they've got the little like guitar feedback like slowly coming in, which I I absolutely love that. But yeah, this this song is just one. I think one of the heaviest songs on the album. It's got such a cool, interesting guitar riff really big chorus crazy like this is one of the tracks that's like amazing guitar like stand out for jerry cantrell um in terms of guitar work um it's just it's heavy 
it's it's amazing it's just oh, it's such a great song i i think it's one of those songs that it's simple but it speaks for itself i gotta make a decision but i can't yet go cypress please cool so um i really like milk it um the like the first opening line is uh line is i am my own parasite i don't need a host to live <laughs> which is kind of cool um uh but this song is it's kind of like the idea of like people milking like uh, i don't know like their record contracts and shit. and like more importantly how the executives uh milk their their clients so like the chorus is like doll steak test meat which is like i think he's trying to like flip the words there right so like it's like it's like a doll steak test meat um like essentially like i i find that um it's like kind of be like a, a, a if you look at the first words right so like steak and meat uh, the second words make sense and then doll and test they kind of make sense if you flip around like a test doll or like a test dummy right so like he's he's kind of like objectifying himself in like the worst possible ways and then like the one of the hard, most hard-hitting lines he's ever said is look on the bright side suicide you know um so i think that is like kind of like very impactful in that song you know especially like considering this is in the later years of his life it's like he's obviously fed up with the music industry and um yeah i think it's he, he does use like the um imagery of the album cover in this song as well which is kind of symbolic because it's, yeah, it's like his angel left wing style. right wing broken wing yeah that's it mm. and then like my, one of my favorite lines is her milk is my sh- my milk is her <laughs> her her milk yeah whatever um um there's actually like a, a demo version or an unreleased version of milk it that's much more laid back that i really like um off of the box set but yeah i i like the finished product and then when it comes to goddamn like uh it, it's very deep the verses are very powerful uh, i i like how it's been written i like the lines where it says uh like this god of mine relaxes world dies i still pay taxes yeah. <laughs> that is just, that's great um As, yeah apparently this is based yeah. off a story called um uh i have no mouth and i want to scream it's like a short story about a computer named am huh. so yeah and he oh, kind of well. like takes over the world and keeps these humans alive purely for torture it's messed up but yeah well like it's like if they could uh if they had like robots back in world war one for metallica's one <laughs> it's like a dystopian yeah, yeah. one you would say yeah yeah that's that's, cool. that's a good comparison yeah okay so decision time gentlemen what are we thinking oh boy um look i'm only gonna pick god am because of the opening line sure god's all powerful but does he have lips whoa <laughs> got emphasis um, on the whoa <laughs> Yeah, that's, Whoa. That's, that's, <laughs> Whoa. the song as well. It's it's crazy. It, yeah, I but like that's also an asterisk song because Milk It is uh, not my favorite of in Euro, but like it's a second probably. second favorite. Okay, second favorite. Yeah, I'm somewhat surprised by that that take him run. Not a hot take because obviously I'm not the expert here, but that's <laughs> that's interesting. Ah, uh, where am I going to land? Because I've always, I saw Milk It as more, didn't like the verse, but that chorus is so attention-grabbing that it almost deserves the point by default. Because goddamn, it's very, very constructed. 
like you know dun 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 mm. dun everything is said to the riff borderline robotic mm. who knows maybe that maybe that was intentional probably was yeah. but um before mm. i make my decision cypress what are you doing uh yeah um i i i admire both these songs a lot but um i'm probably just gonna stick with uh, milk it for now uh all right do you know what i'll join you i'm a bit Sorry, Imran, I'm slightly indifferent to Goddamn, so I'll just take. Um, I'm going to take Milk It. Fair enough. I think I think Goddamn is a great statement piece. Statement pieces, say. Yeah, well, they they're both obviously statement pieces. I mean, Milk It with yeah. the music industry and Goddamn with, I guess, uh, like I don't know, society and like how God. people view Good point. God pro- and like yeah, saviorism. Good point. Good point. It's two statement pieces. Decent battle, according to Imran, the hardest one thus far. Uh, not yet. We'll see. Ah, we'll get to that then. I'm very intrigued to hear what uh, the closer battles are coming up in the final stretch, Imran, because you're, you're hyping that up. I'm getting excited. But in the meantime, track nine, my personal opinion, no contest. So close versus Penny Royalty. But before, before I give my answer, let's hear yours, Imran. Oh, wait, no, no, no. I want to hear your no contest now because this is a very tough one for me. Penny Royalty. Huh. Is that okay. actually a hot take in your mind? That's a hot take. Damn. So close. Did not expect so that. So close. Is that the first hot take on this podcast? Dumb. Like official? The, the, oh, the dumb yeah. comment. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is definitely a hot take. Um, so close is... Well, I mean, it's the first song on the Alice in Chains album that's fast-paced. It's got that punky feel to it. The bass is fat. Like, it's it's insane. That guitar riff as well is, like, possibly one of my top five uh, Jerry Cantrell guitar riffs. Wow. And, yeah. And going from that super fast, like, punky feel to suddenly slowing down in the verse, and then you've got the, wow, did you do it? Like, the that um, like melody and just when that all kicks in is just so good. It's amazing. Plus, there's a little key change in the chorus. It's it works so well. You got it, like the chorus is also nice as well. You got like a it, there's like a really strong feel in the first half, of it, and you got a little falsetto like like the that little part. But yeah, th- like I think this is one of those songs that like kind of competes with Nirvana in the sense of like short and sweet punky songs. And I it's it's kind of ironic going up a song going up against a song like Penny Royalty, which is not as punky as uh, the other songs on this album. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's a tough choice because Penny Royalty is a, like another one of those 10 out of 10 Nirvana songs, which is like, it's such a beautiful opening explodes into that chorus. It's just, there's amazing bass in it. Um, it's got, it kind of reminds me of a, like the whole song may as well be a folk song, but it's got, the heavy elements to it which i guess classifies it as a grunge punk song but yeah like if if this like the unplugged version of this song for example that's that could very well pass as just a folk song better than the in utero and, version I'll, I'll grant it that yeah i'll i'll give you that as well that's not a hot take that's yeah <laughs> i'll give you that um yeah it's just penny royalty is just it's a it's one of those beautiful simple nirvana songs that just hits you and I, this is one of the soaring yeah, no, songs, I can't actually. Picture. Once that chorus hits, the gravelly... Once mm. again, the gravelly vocal delivery, eh, take it or leave it, but still, can't uh, you can't fault the passion in that one. 
hundred percent. This is a banger of a song. I I can't decide yet. Cypress, please go. Yeah. Um, so Penny Royalty is actually like a really kind of beautiful song. It's like I think that when it comes to Penny Royalty, it's got a really nice build up for one. So it starts off like very slowly. He just says, "I'm I'm on my time with everyone. I have very bad posture." And it's actually kind of a uh, kind of sad. Uh, he sounds in trap. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, so, like, to be on your own time with everyone is like, it, it means you have to be going through a lot of stuff to like not be like relating back to someone. And to be to say that and then to go on and say I have very bad posture, it's um, from an outside lens. It kind of seems like it's kind of like, oh, what you just have bad posture. Like that's why you can't relate with people. But like. Um, Kirk Cobain actually suffered like medically wise um, with a bad back for a long time. He he had like this. I'm not sure what it was. It was oh, really? his back. Yeah, but like, um, so he had a lot of pain. Um, so, um, I guess it was from bronchitis. Fact checkers, um, facebookcom oh. forward slash metal Yeah, I'm, no, I'm looking at it right now. Um, anyway, so uh, but basically, like he had back back problems, and um, one of the reasons why he was so heavily using um, drugs was to self-medicate and like you know he started off with like like small stuff but as we all know he got, became addicted to heroin and um it's a terrible drug to, to use but essentially like he was doing it um you know because he had this like chronic pain and and it was just you know enabled by his wife sadly but um that, that's just semantics um you can see that in some of his his, his other songs like a heart-shaped box and stuff like that, you know, but um, I find that this song is like kind of like a ballad almost of like his pain. And I see what you mean. Like, I, I called it an electric ballad in my notes. Mm, that's cool. Mm. Yeah. That, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's just like kind of the subtle, subtle, subtle like note hence he leaves in this album. Um, uh, uh, apparently it was going to be the third release single, but then he killed him. Killed himself, yeah. And yeah, I, so, I read about that, so it never got released. Um, but like you can find like, um, what is it like, uh, bootlegs of it and stuff. I mean, in its own right, it's still a, a one of like a big fan favorite in terms of like Nirvana fans. This is like definitely a song that everyone loves that like stands out in terms of Nirvana fans. So, like, it, it didn't really need to be a single because everyone kind of drew to it. It's, well then, yeah. couldn't you make the counter argument well, that, that if it's if audiences are going to draw to that one, may as well release it as a single so it has a better chance of appealing to a broader audience. Which brings it back yeah. to the previous track of Milk It. Go on. Does it? <laughs> Does it? Wait, what? Explain yeah, because then. Milk It's about it. Milk It's about his record label milking his work. Um, ah. So they they did the album in literally six days, and when it came down to doing the vocals for the whole album, Kurt Cobain did it in under six hours. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I did read that, yeah. So, like, they, they wanted to get this album done because the record mm-hmm. label was pushing them, for one. And for two, they knew that if they gave them a full album, they, they would be more inclined to say, you can't put this in here, than if they gave them, like, one song at a time, you know? Right, okay. Uh, Which in contrast, is, what... Oh, sorry. It's it's similar to to so close with Alice in Chains, like like 
like a lot of these songs are like based on the music industry and they're calling things out like especially money and greed um so like um so close is a very simplistic song but like it it's um this you listen to it a couple times it's pretty impactful yeah yeah it's yeah it's one of those songs that's i think like it's another one of those songs that it's got a case of the placement on the album um because i feel like it's got an odd a very odd place where i feel like if it was maybe placed earlier it could have had more of an impact and maybe more people would have recognized it as a great song because it legitimately like this was one of the songs that immediately resonated with me on this album because it was short it was to the point it was like it's like it's got the elements of punk as well as that slow sludgy feel that alice in chains has and i freaking love that like that that uh time change from um like the super like the snare heavy like intro suddenly to the like the um slower drum feel it's like i i'm a sucker for that and i that's all i have to say (laughs) okay fair um i really like the line man i nearly snapped my twig it's kind of interesting because like there's there's some way to look at that like like um losing like your grasp on things i guess um then again, I nearly snapped a few of you. Yeah, exactly. Like letting your anger out and stuff like that. Mm. I think that's kind of cool. Like it, it stands out with like the rest of the imagery and, and a lot of these things. It's, it's more symbolic. Yeah. Like, it's like a play on words, I guess. Right. All right. Well, since this is a tough one for him around Cyprus, we'll get your final answer. Where's your point line between these two? I reckon Penny Royalty is... Uh, pretty pretty like safe to lock in for me safe um, bet yep yeah it's a I'm safe bet not, in this instance i'm guessing not as much as a hands down like now. i was earlier yeah like if there's ever a song to like play at a tea party to like get the, the like momentum going it's this one right <laughs> all right so i couldn't both. imagine penny royal tea being played at a tea party actually to be honest yeah well you haven't been to as many golf tea parties as you should yeah maybe not damn i think we're going down a a road that we might regret going down so imran what are we saying uh you know what um all right asterisk 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 times 100 so close times 100 that's uh, i think that's at the same level as a couple of other songs but okay so close no worries but uh, hey I can appreciate that point. Yeah, it is a it is a refreshing change, a change of pace. But at the same time, I still want Lane to belt something out. Come on, belt something out, Lane. Mm. Uh, it it, ha- it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, this was a dark time for him. It was. Like, it was. Yeah, he still yes. had his voice, but he didn't utilize it as much as he could have. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's do a quick score check because it's Imran. You and I we're quite close. For myself, it is. Uh, I believe, I think actually, I believe, well, at least for myself, it's 5-4 and on Cyprus's end, it's 8-1 to one in favour of In Utero. By the way, for myself, cool. In Utero is in the lead too. And I'll just quickly do a, a, mathem- a mathematics check right now. Uh, Alice in Chains, mm. 1, 2, 3, 4 for Imran. 4 plays, f- uh, yeah, I think it's 5-4 In Utero as well on Imran's turn. If I got that wrong... Oof. If I got that wrong, we'll go into the post-production period right now and correct that. 
okay, if nothing's happened, we'll just move on. I got it right. Yippee, hooray for mathematics. I did general in VCE. I mean, there's a, I'm not that great at maths. My apologies. To be fair, to be fair, I, I did advanced maths in, uh, in year 10 and I failed. So, so did I. I, I, I did I can... okay in the end, but it, too little, too late. I yeah. remember one time. That's how it be. Finished a math exam, finished math, math sack. And it was enough time to walk outside, get some water, and do 20 push-ups. There we go. That's, that's pretty badass, dude. I didn't pass it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but at least you did the push-ups. Just, yeah, as, just as I was about to give you the rap and say, and the laid-back country singer is the math whiz out of the three of us, and then you give us that. <laughs> let, come on, man. You're letting us down here. All right. Oh, now, damn. we're at the final three. Uh, this is... This is getting to a point where I'm starting to hit my bottom three in terms of favorite in utero songs. Nothing Oof, song, yeah. That's a hot take. Nothing song that's versus... That's a hot take. Is it? Okay. Nothing song versus... Nothing song versus radio-friendly unit shifter. Yeah. Okay. I'll just start off here. Radio-friendly unit shifter is my favorite song off of in utero. Is it Those, really? That immediately gets the point. That, yeah, that may be a hot take from me. But that immediately gets the point for me because that's the song that, yeah, that, that is a sheer like noise punk track that does not compare to any of the rest of the album. Like you've got like, like Milk It, for example, that's, that's a, that's a track that's similar to this in the sense that like it's noise and crazy, but I think radio friendly unit shifter is the peak of that, that kind of sound. Like right from the get go, you've got like the crazy, the noise feedback, the drums come in a bit later, like 30 seconds in or something. And it's just crazy. Like, I don't know how Dave Grohl keeps up with that pace the whole time, but it's insane. It's, it's got such a killer riff. That riff is a one of like probably the best, like uh, definitely a highlight in terms of Nirvana, maybe not the best in Nirvana's career, but definitely a highlight. Just that particular riff. The like the verses is is interesting because it's like it's it feels like a spoken word delivery to me, but it's it's melodic, which like kind of like I've been thinking about it, it which is kind of singing like in in terms of like if you're going to dumb it down, it's pretty much melodic spoken word. But I feel like in if if we're talking specifics here, he's he's pretty much reciting a a poem. Like I think from memory when I read about this song, it's pretty much a a throwaway poem that he came up with that uh that he decided to put to this crazy song right so it's pretty much a melodic spoken word song mm. the chorus is super heavy it's catchy it's simple it's got a bridge that pretty much is the only like musical part of the part of the song because the rest of it is just melodic spoken word crazy chorus and riff and just feedback and super fast drums and I freaking love it. It's it's amazing. It it hooks me every time. I love it. And look, not to discredit nothing song. <laughs> it, the like this song, not like it's it's got a bad case of like it it could have been so much better. Like because the the chords to it and the the ideas musically are really interesting because it's kind of jazzy, like in in my head. Is like if it feels like it's kind of jazzy, it switches up in the chorus and stuff. Like it's got that classic Alice in Chains feel, where it's a, like the chorus and the verse, uh, two completely different feels. 
the rhythm changes a lot like you know but the the lyrics kind of spoil it for me because the oh, like so repetitive I remember lane staley yeah lane staley i remember reading about this he said that um the lyrics to when he wrote the lyrics to this album he kind of wrote whatever was just in his mind rather than like editing or whatever he it was just kind of what came to his head first and just he went with it so i feel like this was a song where he was literally sitting down and he just like looked up at a clock and he's like uh oh, 7 38 as should i be working so late you know like it, it, it this song could have this is another song that could have had potential that could have been amazing because the chords and the guitar parts and the just the flow of it is really interesting but just the words to it like kind of ruin it for me it, it makes it like a, a filler song and just the fact that it also kind of drags is oh. like makes me sad as well because yeah it's like this whenever i listen to the song it makes me sad because this could have been an amazing song yet it was just executed poorly and yeah that's why my my point's obviously going to nirvana for this one Cyprus, do you share any similar sentiments to that or you got anything to add okay so to clarify you said you thought it felt kind of jazzy in some yeah, aspects, there was some... like with like the drums and stuff like that like the accents on the drums yeah the drums some, some of the chords they use that... the symbols they use a lot of mm. the symbols in this song they um, do yeah it, there's some really nice soft um spots in the song like that i find that it's kind of like if you took like i don't know what's what would be something that would eat metal and then you poured that down a tuba and then you played the tuba and <laughs> into a jazz song you know it's like it's real rustic like especially at the beginning like like when it comes in with um the distortion i, I believe it's distortion um just like how like the the um you know how it, you hear the um feedback yeah feedback and all that stuff come back at you yeah it's it it is like i think it's a really nice like you know like so this there's this quote right and this is where this quote really starts coming into play is is that he said that um uh when asked about what he thought the the initial response to this album was was that people thought it was um you know not up to par and he said that in specifics the grown-ups don't like it he thought that or he says that he he wrote this album for himself essentially so like i i believe that this album uh kurt cobain sorry oh yeah yeah Yeah, sorry about that um anyway so so yeah he's he he's he he says that like um the initial response is people don't like it they think it's too raunchy too rude too crude but he said he was writing music that he wanted to listen to when he was at home you know so like it, like he chose like everything strategically like Steve Albini um he has a lot of like tracks in there that are talking about the music industry and his his self-life um this one doesn't really have like as much of that in it like I think it stands out on the album for sure um but I really like um nothing song in this case like um I don't know it's like the nothing song sticks to your mouth like peanut butter on the brain I mean yeah. like the, it's the it's, this is the dog album you know and like it's like it is anticlimactic yes um but like it's if you listen to it like I think this 
both I'm, I'm starting to get that both these albums are statement pieces you know yeah Absolutely. I, I feel like nothing song suffers in the fact that it's like it's catchy as tell as well in the chorus because like that that chorus sometimes like gets into my head as well and i'm just like damn that that chorus is really accurate because it really sticks in your head for a bit but yeah. it's it as well as the fact like, yeah sorry go on oh well it- I was, I'm just curious about this. Like, it opens up the fact, like, okay, so these, these records came out, like, within a year of each other, essentially. Um, and it's, like, is this, mm. like, foreshadowing the death of grunge, you know? Like, because, like, after this, it, it kind of alternative music starts to take over, like, the Smashing Pumpkins and stuff like that, you know? So, like, yeah. so, like oh. do, these, do these albums foreshadow, like, how, like, grunge music kind of teeters off and, and just becomes another inspiration for new, new genres, you know? I think, if anything, um, these albums foreshadowed the deaths of their frontmen. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Yeah. I have a theory like, that I, I'll tell you later on, by the way, on that. Okay. Excellent. But yeah, um... Yeah, like if like this, like the Alice in Chains one specifically, I feel like is like not a perfect ending, but you like you can hear the like the reason why the self-titled is my personal favorite out of the Alice in Chains discography is because because of the feeling you get of the slow, swampy, sludgy, like dark lyrics, you could really tell like the like Lane Staley especially is kind of coming towards an end, even though he he didn't pass away until like two thousand two. I think, it was, yeah, yeah. What after this? It was, it was seven years later after this yeah. album. But the, it so was the beginning guys, of the end. But you guys yeah, were was, saying that he lost hear. his voice. No, you know what the thing is that if you listen to a lot of the live stuff from this era, um, yeah. like not. Not just the um, the unplugged, but there's there's a few like bootleg live recordings where they're like they were a full band. Um, you can hear he he hasn't lost his voice. It's just more of the fact that he was he was an addict at the time, and there was nothing. He was at the point of like no hope, and it was like it was real sad to hear because he he'd gone to the point where he couldn't he physically could not perform because of the fact that he was so far down in like in the dumps in the in the swamp if you if you will put it metaphorically uh, i guess yeah okay. in metaphorically of course yeah so imran it was hands down radio friendly unit shifter cypress what yep. are you taking yeah i'm taking nothing song man nothing song huh. interesting yeah. that's all i take i think i think it's much more well written um you know he's he's making a statement so like he he's got a basic rhyme scheme he's got a basic flow but he yeah. repeats lines that are interesting went outside to give it all a break went outside to give it all a break back inside sam throw away your cake <laughs> i mean that's less it's kind of less interesting but uh so that, you're very appreciative of the wit and the lyrics aren't you yeah mm. okay well i know you i know imran you said it was a hot take to say radio friendly is a bit of a bottom three in my opinion but let's be honest i hate the feedback i understand that in fairness the feedback you oh. could probably whoa, whoa, whoa you could probably convey that it's you know very frenetically uh scanning through and like one of those old-timey radios that go through all the static and all the trying to pick up a signal but the drums and the bass save it and that gives it the point just because nothing song is so repetitive that it bored me <laughs> sorry yeah 
but I'm taking radio friendly just because the the rhythm section saved it. It saved it. No, the ri- yeah, the rhythm section is definitely a, a big highlight in radio friendly unit shifter. Yeah, it's like underrated as hell. Yeah, but that feedback, just Kurt Cobain in general, and the guitars. Yeah, that that that's not my personal. <laughs> that's not my personal preference when it comes to Nirvana. I guess. Um, Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. All right. We are down to the final two. Let's get into it. For the self-title, we have Frogs, the longest song on the album, might I add, versus Tourette's, the shortest song off in utero. Cypress, we'll start with you, but I think I'm going to give you another hot take. Tourette's, this, this is literally my notes on Tourette's. I'll, write, I'll, I'll just read them word for word. Good instrumentation, <laughs> flailing like a maniac, which is a compliment, by the way, but I've also written in, in just three simple letters, shut up, Kurt. <laughs> nice alright so oh, um, I guess we'll start this the only way I know how to do moderate rock <laughs> okay so so like, I think I that sample like is that, definitely though. not moderate <laughs> I think that sample is like really really funny like he's like making fun of like the music industry and, and people and like I don't know um, the song kind of goes in circles like it, it doesn't really go anywhere but like I, I really like the bar chords in it. Like it's a nice progression. You know, it's it's like, it's like it's like a nice timing too. Like it's really like fast. You know, so it's not like it's like a it's like a fast song that goes for like three minutes. It's like it's like it goes for like a minute, but you feel like you've gone through a lot. Um, uh, frogs though, like there's there's just so much there. Like wow, like I really like this song. I liked it on the unplugged. I like it on this album. Um, yeah it's 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 one of those things where like i i'm really drawn to like creativity and in, in, in the, the lyrics and this one's really nice um talks about like flowers watched through wide eyes bloom yeah it's cool like basically replacing like your eyes with flowers blooming you know like or like awake your eyes lighting up you know with like a flower blooming really nice mm-hmm. The one one thing I thought about with Frogs, it's probably the one with the most atmosphere and where that whole bogged down production kind of works. I mean, I'm not sure if this is a hot take, Imran, but with the exception, so close would be the exception of this, but out of the last four songs we've talked about, Frogs is probably kind of, kind of one of those songs where it's like the soundtrack to Purgatory. It's that hollow and that dark and that atmospheric. Mm. Well, look, I'm, I'm, I, all I have to say about Tourette's is that it's got a cool riff it's got a cool idea, but like that's all I have to say about Tourette's. But Frogs, this may be a hot take, but Frogs is the literally the greatest recorded song in the entirety of like music. It is so good. I I don't think any I don't think anything off of In Utero or anything from Nirvana's discography, honestly, could compare to Frogs. It is wow, whoa, so good. Right from the beginning, right to the end, you've got the uh, the spooky intro, which is a vibe and a half, I must say. You got like the, it's just like, ah, oh, it's, uh, I don't even know where to start with this song. Yeah, like you've got the spooky intro. You, this I think is um a really good example of that, uh, that analogy of walking through a swamp is um that really like it's a really bassy feel on the guitar. You got the the like the real spooky like uh, lead guitar stuff, and then that drum groove drum groove sorry that comes in, 
is like I think really fits the vibe, which the vibe honestly kind of gives you like it. It's it's like a really weird country vibe, but country in the sense of like really dark. Yeah, and it gets really be, folky towards the end, but in a really yeah, dark way. Exactly. Yeah, you've got that acoustic guitar in the background the whole time. The lyrics flow in it so freaking well, and there's a there's a little guitar riff in the back that supports it. That bridge is amazing, which like kind of goes to like the major instead of the minor like dark feel. Uh, the the chorus is honestly my favorite part because once that chorus kicks in, it kind of builds into that like big, like dun 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 dun. Bam, oh, is that bam, the chorus? Like, that's that's what I. Envi- what did you think yeah. the chorus was? I couldn't find one, so when you said chorus, I was quite surprised. Ah, <laughs> huh. all right, fair enough. I, Not as yeah, inclined, that's, obviously. I mean, yeah, yeah, but that chorus is really interesting. As as far as I know, like, please fact check me on this, but. As far as I know, that that's a major chord, and that the lyrics over it are playing over a minor scale, so it's really like dissonant, but it works at the same time, and it's really weird. But I love it. It's like it's like as much as I love to talk about like the 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 actual main part of the song, the second half of the song, honestly, I think is the best part of the song is when like when Jerry say- Cantrell. Oh, sorry, go on. No, so when you said second half of the song, you're talking about the point where kind of Lane's starting to ramble a little bit in that spoken word. Yeah. And it gets a bit more He's country. Like, kind of like the man's yeah. coming around. Yeah. <laughs> the man's coming around. What the whole... Coming around with yeah. Well, like, <laughs> you've got the same riff going on. You've got like some sick acoustic stuff going on in the background. Like that. that is some amazing stuff. It still gives me chills to this day. Um, you've got some lead, like, harmonic, like, guitar stuff. You've got Lane going, seven, eight, um, you know, it's, it's, that part is so good. And, like, even, like, with that, like, little spoken word part, there's a little part where, like, he, I'm not going to repeat this exact sentence, but you can really tell, like, he's gritting his teeth when he says it because you can tell he's feeling everything that he's saying. And, like, like... Honestly, the only thing I can say about frogs is that it's perfect. It's like, it is the equivalent of a chef, like looking at his pizza that is just created and he's going, Mwah, bellissimo, molto bene. It's so good. And yeah, that all I've, frogs, I'd give 10 points to. As, as per usual, we can give one. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> He's he's had these moments before, Cypress. Where like, on, we could give it a ten. Yeah, I I could go on more about this song, but mm. I don't even get me started. Well, Cypress, do you have share any sentiments to Imran with that particular song? Um, well, like I don't, I I have a, I think it's a good song, and I think it's definitely the better of the two. So it's got my point. Um, but. That's strong. Say it goes. It 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 beats everything out of Nirvana. Cause like, mm. I don't know about that. Like, like I don't want to get into semantics. I'd like after after we're done with this, I would like to like briefly like find out what your favorite Nirvana songs are at, at like some point. Um, okay. We can definitely do that towards uh, the end, but we yeah. still have one final song to go. And after Imran gushing about frogs, we've probably worked out his favorite song of Palace and Chains, but I'd like to hear what he thinks of this final song. The final battle of grunge month, 
the final battle of Alice in Chains self-titled versus Nirvana's In Utero. An entire month's work of grunge comes to an end right now, and I'm very conflicted. I thought it was going to be very easy to pick one or the other uh, for this final battle, but it's become very, very difficult. And considering my score, it's extremely, extremely tight. Over now versus all apologies. Cypress, we'll start Uh, with you. you All right, so all apologies has a similar vibe to Serve the Servants, Penny Tea, and then it starts off really slow and really nice. Um, How's it similar to Serve the Servants? Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, wait, what is that? Um, so serve the servants like it's 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 not necessarily just bar chords in the beginning. It's like it's more of this like it leads into it, you know. So like I, I what I what I mean is like it stands out from like a lot of the rest of Nirvana songs, which is generally speaking bar chords with solos in between and stuff like that, you know. So like all, all apologies has like like a scale and like it it like leads into it and you know it's like it's kind of like like I was saying earlier with like penny it's ballad. Uh, I mean, I just think it's, yeah. has got the ballad vibe, but I don't think I'd put this song up against Santless Apprentice or even Penny Royalty, to be honest. I This song stands as its own, like, final, like, this song to me is the, the final Kurt Cobain song that, like, yeah. mm-hmm. just stands as the the epitome of, like, Kurt Cobain. Maybe he didn't want it to be. I I don't know. But this song to me, like the the final the final days of Kurt Cobain, the final months or whatever, this is what Kurt Cobain was about. Like that that song. I like fun fact. I covered this song in high school as well, which was a a fun time. I I could not get those vocals right, but like as like that has an amazing guitar riff at the start that continues through the whole song. Just Mm -hmm. Even the chorus just flows perfectly. It's just, it's one of those songs that it just speaks for itself as well. Like some of the other in utero songs. And it's, it's really hard to describe other than you just got to listen to it and just really appreciate it for what it was and what Kurt Cobain was about during that time. And uh, it's an amazing song, but uh, it's, it's so hard putting up against a song like Over Now because Over Now... Uh me it's like it's it's the same quality as all apologies because it's soft kind of country vibes it's like you've got that like ending like vibe like like this track is called over now like how much more do you want it to be like an ending track yeah you know exactly well yeah it's like it's a final track you know and i think allison changed it perfectly when they when they they started it out as a like kind of like a quote unquote pop song you know it's it's catchy it's got a great chorus um this is pretty this is literally lane's song but not lane sorry jerry's song sorry because lane only does the harmonies in the song and i think this song really only breaks and hooks you when it gets into that slower part where it's got that slow melodic uh like solo and like chord progression where the bass kind of becomes more prominent and it's like it, these both of these songs kind of become like perfect ending songs to each of these albums respectively that i like it uh, i don't know i do you guys have anything to input yeah so um i think that's really beautiful what you said there um everything you said about penny royalty i was actually like 
resonating more towards with um, Overnow, over right? So like, um, it's clear that both uh, Nirvana and Alice in Chains were like upset with their labels, right? But if we're honest, Alice in Change was, was, was still a small market band back then. So like, I think that their lead singer had like uh, suspicions that he was going to get kicked off the, the label or whatever, you know? And I think, I think that this, this album is like a protest of that, you know? And like, when it's like this song like over now, like I, I, I just kind of feel like maybe this is like the band's like, it could like for me, I see it as the band saying like we're probably gonna have to split up or go separate ways. And with Nirvana, like I don't think they had that risk, you know. Like I don't think they had that in the back of their mind. Like I think they knew that like if they were gonna split up, it would be because they wanted to, not because of the record label forcing them to do other things. You know, like I still think that like viewing all apologies as like their last song is great and beautiful. Um, they actually have a couple of songs that came out after this song. Um, which, like, I I think have s- similar impacts. Uh, Do Re Mi is notable. That one is more like just like acoustic uh, demo. I think they might have recorded one live track. Um, but the most well-known one, their last officially recorded song is You Know You're Right. You're right. And basically, yeah, that is one of my favorite all-time Nirvana songs. Um, wow. It starts off with, um, he does harmonics on his his, his electric guitar to make it sound like wind chimes. So you know how this, this album, right, has all these, these like dark like, uh, like feedback loops and stuff like that. Well, this, in this case, the feedback is actually like a wind chime and it has a great bass line. And like that, that song, I think is the one that Kurt wanted to go out with, but yeah, um, it's a tough choice and I'm not gonna decide yet. <laughs> okay. And I think Imran's going to be oh, a boy. similar boat, isn't he? You're going to be struggling too. I, I haven't decided yet. Okay. Well, I'll just sing the praises of both songs. All Apologies is a complete package. It <laughs> is pretty much, I'm not going to say the perfect ending, but it's pretty darn close to an album like In Utero. And considering I'm not a fan of Radio Friendly Unit Shifter, not a fan of Tourette's, not the biggest fan of Very Ape either, to get to All Apologies by the end, it's, it's one of those uplifting oh my god it's it's kind of it's like that holy crap what is this song this is amazing whereas with over now i kind of get the same feeling not a i'm not a fan of the trundling along of the self-titled yeah there are a lot of songs that drone on but then there's just this kind of breath breath of fresh air this sigh relief in over now where it's like it's now got a spring in its step it's now got the the ending credits are rolling we're talking about i'm not sure we might need to do some lyrical analysis but i think they're talking about oh we're paying off our debts somehow it's like the weight of the world has just been Mm. lifted off and now the head's held high and there's we've got a spring in our step again and it's over now it's yeah i feel like both of these songs lyric uh, maybe not even lyrically but just like thematically have the same like kind of vibe of like, this is the end and that's it for this band, you know, like maybe not with Alice in Change, you know, because they went on to get a new singer and make more music. But, but at that yeah. period in with time, with Nirvana, for example, but hang on, yeah, at that, like period, that period in time, time they yeah. would have been, it would have been the beginning of the end. They were teetering with it, it yeah. all coming to an end. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's the thing about grunge is that in, in that time period, it was a huge risk, you know, and mm. for some of them, it worked really well. But there's so many bands out there. We'll never know. 
Mm. Well, hell, uh, Jacob and Salome, we were talking about it last week. Australia's offering with silver chair, you know, but at, but yeah. by that point, it had been kind of well and truly been done. Uh, yeah, at, at the point, the silver chair kind of grew big. They did grow out of it. Was, it in fairness. Like, that was that was nineteen ninety four. Their first album, wasn't it? I think it was ninety five. Same year as the self. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah, so that that yeah, nineteen ninety five would have been the pretty much the end of grunge yeah. because Silverchair yeah. came out with their album Frog Stomp, Alice in uh, Chains, Alice, obviously with yeah. this self titled Alice in Chains with their yeah, you know, try the the dog tripod album yep. as it's often been referred to. And then in the um, years to come is is Creed, Nickelback and the Foos. Obviously out yeah, of those three bands, one of them is exponentially better, but you know Let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah. We'll save that for another podcast yeah. then, hey. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, okay, I think for this one, I'm going to pick over now. Oh, okay. I, it hurts. It really hurts. There's a big, there's a big asterisk on that. <laughs> but I'm going to pick over now because I, like, 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 as I mentioned before, I covered all apologies in high school. That That is an amazing song to me, but all, like, over now, I think is just the perfect ending song to a, to an album that has lasted that long, that has just given off the vibe that it did. That like, and the quality of that song as well, the way it ends, the fact that it goes from like the kind of like normal popish to slow sludgy Alice in Chains vibe, it's a great song. I like, I I can't discredit Over Now. Uh, it's. It's hard. All Apologies is definitely an up there song for Nirvana, but Over Now, I think, is my pick for this one. Oh, do you want to go first, Si, or shall I? Man, come on. Like, as much as, as, much as I love both these songs, um, I, just, I think All Apologies has, has, has more depth to it, and I, I really appreciate that one. And it's, I have a big history of it, so. Okay. All apologies, it is. That just leaves me and I. <sighs> over now, if it's not if it's not my favorite, it's definitely top three. All apologies, if it's not my favorite, it's definitely top three. They're almost oh. seriously, they're that good, and I'm that conflicted. They're, yeah, um, they're both amazing songs. That's the thing. It's it's so tough to pick between two of them. In in my personal opinion, if my score for in utero was a clean sweep at this point. I would have just given the point over now just to just to give that track its credit. But mine mine it's very, very close and I'm not sure which way to go. Do I do I still give it credit? Or do I just trust my instincts with all apologies? Because my heart does say all apologies over over now. But it's a case of I want to give credit to over now. What do you say? I'll leave it to you, Imran. I well, over now at least has the like it may be long, but it's got the quality of being a Alice in Chains like signature song of fast to slow kind of ballady. Like it's even got that country vibe that Jerry Cantrell yeah. kind of gets inspiration from. Mm. And in those slow parts, you can really hear it, especially in his solo. It's got that particular lick, uh, that guitar lick that kind of resonates. Uh, I love that like, bridge more guitar prominently. lick. I love the acoustic. Yeah, I, in the solo. That's my favorite yeah, part of the song. That's it's so good yeah. yeah and like i i don't want to discredit nirvana but no. i feel like alice in chains are better at making a song like they, they can like they may have not done it well in the past but they can make a song like 
long and make it really good as a long song. Like with Over Now, like that's seven minutes, isn't it? Mm. Hell, we, um, you, that, you spent a lot of time gushing over frogs. That's eight minutes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like frogs is it, a perfect example of that, of making, making half a song and then the rest of the song, like it, 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 it it's pure nonsense to the regular listener, but it's, it's amazing. Like it's, it's deep. It's got the best guitar mm. work that Jerry's ever done. Yeah. And even in over now, like some of the most amazing like guitar work that Jerry Cantrell has ever done is on this song. Like he, he's got some amazing licks on this song. Yeah. I like, there's no other way to explain it. Other Like this is Jerry's album. This is, this is his moment to shine as a guitarist. And he really freaking does it. All right. Well, hold I, that thought yeah. then, Cyprus. For all apologies, give me one final closing argument why I should probably pick that one instead. Um, I mean, man, it's, it really comes down to aesthetic between these two. Like, yeah. All apologies comes in and then leaves with a whisper, you know? And uh, I think they, they kind of both do it in their own sense. <sighs> All right, Imran, you've been giving 100 asterisks against the song. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to top that and put 500 asterisks next to my pick. I think just because I'm going to listen to this song a bit more frequently than the other, I will take all apologies. And that, yes. is, that, is, a, that is a gut-wrenching thing to say. That is yeah, truly... No, I- Truly gut wrenching. It's just not fair. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not fair. No, no, I I understand. That is a it's a hot take, but I like I don't think I can pass up a song like Over Now that's as amazing as it is over like all of, like consider consider this. I covered all apologies willingly as a volunteer in high school yeah. multiple times, <clears throat> and I'm picking all apologies over that song. I love all apologies. Mm. Yeah. But over now just tops it just that little bit. It's a perfect song. I think it's a, a song perfect way to end the album. Yeah. Yeah. I, if you listen to more Alice in Chains, definitely it'll grow in you. All right. Well, uh, that means we've now just completed, we've finished Alice in Chains, the self-titled and Nirvana's in utero. Congratulations guys. That was a very fun conversation to take part in. So now we've oh. got all our tally points. So now let's turn them into grand points. And we'll start with myself just to get it over and done with. It was close. It was very close. But me picking all apologies with all those, like I said, 500 asterisks makes it a 7-5 victory for in utero. So that's the first point. Good on that. But th- that is gut-wrenching. If, if I gave it to over now, it would have been a draw and it would have been a half grand one each. And that would have set in motion for perhaps a draw. Um, Cyprus, let's just uh, click, get this one right out of the way. It's an in- it's a it's an in utero win as well nine to three, <laughs> so that so therefore that's a two that's already two that's two out of a possible three. So in utero wins, it's just a matter Heck. of Imran. It's just a matter of what you did. I I want you to have a guess actually. Um, you know I I don't even know. I I didn't keep track of the scores, so I okay. I can reveal to you. Even though in utero wins two out of three, but uh, Imran. Uh, it's it's a six six draw for you, so it's a half half point each. Oh. You drew. Oh. That hurts. That that kind of hurts. Not gonna so, lie. So hey, on a technicality, in utero win, but this was surprisingly a close one. And um, 
let's wrap this up with a theory that I had at the uh, very beginning. Cause as we we've been talking about, this was the final of this was the final album for each of these ones in this, in their hot period. But there's one specific theory that when I overthink, I overthink all the time, but this is something that I thought of in my head. Frogs is the last one is the last song that's sung by Lane Staley as lead vocalist. Correct. Correct. Imran. Yeah. I, yeah, no, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah as lead vocalist. His, yeah. Final, his final lines as lead vocalist is him rambling on about an expiration date. Yeah, Over, well, frog... Uh, uh, yeah. Let me go on. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Over Now is the final song where they kind of are expecting an impending breakup and you kind of hear that, like I said, spring in your step, head held high, stepping away, sung by Jerry Cantrell. Obviously, in mm. 2002, we all lo- the world lost Lane Staley, uh, and Alison Chains probably, you know, spent a very long time in hiatus. Well, you know, they went into hiatus in the late 90s, then they lost Lane. They reunited in 2006 with William Duvall and their first song yeah. of, Gre- of Black Gives Away to Blue, All Secrets Known. The first lyric is Hope, A New Beginning. Think about that as like a story arc yeah. kind of thing. That's mm, kind of cool. I do, I do like that. I, as much as I, like... I, I don't mind William Duval's era of Alice in Chains. Like I, I really appreciate the album The Devil Put Dinosaurs here. I never really got into the other albums, but I do appreciate his era. But yeah, like as a story arc, it's really cool. Whether that's intentional I, I really or not, appreciate it. that's just me reading into yeah. it. But I think that's quite cool, even if it's unintentional. Yeah, yeah no, I, I really appreciate that as well. Yeah, and also, Bone, just, just this is another hot take. Black Gives Way is probably my favorite Alice in Chains, even that's, after doing that's all the these hottest take. Yeah, I still love Black. I, I love Black Gives Way. I I can't believe you prefer that out of all the Lane Staley era albums. Honestly, yeah, don't worry. Maybe maybe we'll hot take. The, the three of us can meet up again. We'll see if our opinions have changed then. But uh, Cypress, any cool. final yeah. any final thoughts on uh, In Utero to wrap us up? Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that In Utero is a very like thought out album in that uh, a lot of it's kind of has to be like it's meant to make a statement and to represent like how Kurt felt in the moment when his relationships uh, both financially and emotionally um, and like it's kind of incredible that they they recorded an album so quickly uh, with hardly any mixing involved you know it's really raw and like i think it's probably his most authentic album bleach is very authentic but they're like trying to trying to find their way uh never minds is like they're they're trying to mimic songs that their influencers did like you know smells like teen spirit was a uh pixies uh wannabe song basically and uh, and then, like, In Utero is basically this, like, coming-of-age story where, like, Kurt's like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Oh, bleep that out. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, hey, that's it. That's Grunge Month. Imran, we've just sat through mm. five different podcasts doing as much grunge. It's been quite fun having you on the ride. You were on three out of those five. It's been quite the ride, Thank you. I, I've been honored to be on three of the five of those. But, yeah, that's it's it's been insane. I'm, I'm glad I've been on... All of the Alice in Chains albums, because <laughs> I I realized I've I've completed all of the like the their main studio albums. Yeah. Aside from the EP, but yeah, yeah, it's it's been insane. Yeah, and uh, Cyprus, you got to join us for the the main event. 
Congratulations. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, if you like, plug any kind of musical project you have going. Where can people find you? What do you plug? Whatever you would like to plug, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Cypress Oliphant. The easiest way to find me would be on SoundCloud. My latest single is called Fire. You can find that on SoundCloud. Just search up Cypress Fire. Uh, yeah, go get some likes, and I'm going to be releasing some more stuff soon. Thanks. If this discussion has raised issues with you or somebody you know, you can contact one of the following services. Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36, Kids Helpline 1800 55 1800, Lifeline 13 11 14, and the National Sexual Assault Hotline 1800 737 732. Dirt versus 10 versus Nevermind. Super Unknown versus Audio Slave. Facelift versus Bad Motorfinger. Frog Stomp versus Versus. And in your main event, In Utero defeats the self titled Alice in Chains, thus bringing to an end of a grunge podcast for every week in August. Throughout this month, everyone who has come on this show has brought out the most passionate side of them. Be sure to check out any other Grunge Month podcast you missed and you will see what I mean. Special thank yous also go out to Cyprus for joining Imran and myself for this battle. A nice change of pace talking to people outside our little metal world. As said, his first ever released single, Fire, is available now on SoundCloud. Just search Cyprus Fire to find it. Or, to be more direct, soundcloud.com forward slash cypress dash six. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, he's on Instagram at Cypress Oliphant. Give him a follow and you'll be the first to know about whenever he releases something new in the future. To finish off this show, my final thoughts are this. These two albums are easily the last of their kind and of their time. Where many believe that grunge died with the tragic end of Kurt Cobain, I say that this Alice in Chains was the album that was in charge of the funeral for that era. This has been the Great Metal Standoff. Let us know who you would have picked out of the two. Stay up to date with us at facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod and be sure to check out Sin's rock and roll, punk, rock and heavy metal show Mosh Pit Thursday night, 8 to 10 p.m. on 90.7 FM, DAB Plus, digital radio or from your preferred device at sin.org.au that's s-y-n.org.au that's all for now till next time metal up your ass